today, we are continuing our Born Identity series. And on last week, we talked about the God who does ultimate makeovers. And what we really understood was that not only did God save us from a bunch of stuff, but God saved us for something wonderful. God saved us for something wonderful. I tend to agree with Lou Holtz who said, I can't believe, I can't believe that God placed us on the earth to be ordinary. I can't believe that God placed us on the earth to be ordinary. God has saved us for something, and the Bible says that it's to give us a future and a hope. The Bible says that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. And so God has in store for us greatness. Now that should make somebody excited. God has in store for us Greatness. Now, somebody needs to tell that thing. It needs to fly that way. <laughs> so I could be composed up here. Now, as we talk about this greatness, because there are many times that uh, we want to be great and we want to do great things, but with greatness comes other things. Because people are drawn to greatness. And people want to mess up your greatness. Temptations and trials come to great people. People get arrested every single day. But the only ones who make it on the news are the great ones and the not so great ones. But the famous ones. Those who, who, who say they're about something. And, and when somebody understands that maybe they didn't live up to what they were supposed to do, then it's broadcast everywhere. There are all kinds of temptations and things that will come to try you when that greatness is on you. I think about David. David, when he became king of Israel, the Bible says that as soon as the Philistines heard that he was king, then they came out to war against him. Now, it wasn't but a couple chapters before, David was living with the Philistines. They were friends. They were his boys. But now, once he becomes great, then they want to come against him. The Bible says that you all are kings and queens, that you are of a royal priesthood, that you are a, a chosen generation. And so God has something great for you, and you better believe that the enemy wants to mess that up. You better believe that as you begin to walk in your born identity, as you begin to be the great person that God has called you to be, as you begin to get on the journey that God has for you, the devil going to be waiting for you. He wants to pull you away from what you are supposed to do. And in our story today, we find somebody who found this lesson out all too well. Turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 39. 
this is the story of Joseph. And a lot of people think that Joseph is this great guy who is just this super Christian, super godly man. He was able to just do all of these great things. But Joseph was a lot like us. Joseph was a slave. Joseph was a foreigner in another country. Joseph was hanging in Africa. Joseph was torn away from his daddy. His mother died. Uh, he had all kind of drama in his family. His brothers sold him into slavery. Joseph had a lot going on. But when Joseph was a young boy, the Bible said that he had dreams of greatness. And he was excited about those dreams. He would tell everybody, you know what, when I grow up, I'm going to be great. He would tell everybody, so much so that his mom and daddy didn't want to hear about it. His brothers didn't want to hear about it. And when you have greatness on you, the haters will come out. And so one day, uh, his dad told him to go check on his brothers, and his brothers saw him come. They said, oh, boy, here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him and see what will become of those dreams. But see, the greatness that God placed on Joseph wasn't because Joseph desired to be great. It was because God had a purpose in his life and for his life. And I want you all to know that God has a purpose for each and every one of you. God has greatness in store for each and every one of you. And the day you believe me, the day you begin to understand what God has for you, is the day that your life turns completely around. And so the Bible says that, 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 that uh, they put him in a pit and... They were going to kill him, but as they were eating, they saw some uh, Midianites come, and they said, you know what? If we kill him, we're not going to get paid. So why don't we sell him so at least we can have a little change in our pocket? So they decide that they're going to sell their brother, and they do. And the Bible says, and they take him down to Egypt. Now, I know Joseph had to be tripping because he's thinking, man, I'm supposed to be great, but now I'm going down. I'm going down to Egypt. I was just down in a pit. Now I'm going down into slavery. God, what's really going on? But how many of you know that God doesn't do things the way we want him to do? God was taking him up, but he was taking him in a different way. And sometimes when we are down, we need to be okay with it because God is still in that. God is still in it, and he wants to take us where we are to go. But see, I guess I better tell you all what greatness is anyway. Because a lot of people think that greatness is is measured by what kind of car you drive or where you work or what your net worth is. And the Bible has a completely different uh, definition of greatness. Uh, everybody didn't, even the church folk had it wrong. And so Jesus had to let them know what this greatness was. He told them in Mark chapter 10, verse 40, 45. That's a verse that we can stop and read together. Mark chapter 10 verse 45. 
it says, this is Jesus talking, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to give, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. A couple verses above that, starting in verse 42, because they're all arguing on who's the baddest brother, who's the, the best disciple, who's the greatest among them. And verse 42 says, you know, that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. And so greatness in the kingdom of God is the one who serves. Now, I didn't hear a whole bunch of amen. Now, when, y'all, when I was telling y'all y'all were going to be great, and God has purposes, it was amen. But now that you understand that God's greatness is different from what you originally had thought, I can't hear nobody pray. God is calling us to greatness, but it may not look the way we think it will look. And so Joseph had to go down to Egypt. Joseph had to go down into slavery, but Joseph walked in a born identity. Joseph knew that he was great, and his greatness was not contingent upon circumstances. His greatness was not contingent upon his job description. His greatness wasn't contingent upon whether his family liked him or not. His greatness was contingent upon what God was doing in his life. And so the Bible says that he was a slave, but guess what? He was a great slave. Let's read it in in Genesis chapter 39. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Amen. That's greatness right there. Then he made him overseer of the house, and all that he had, he put it under his authority. So it was that from the time that he had made him overseer over the house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Now we sing about being blessed in the city and being blessed in the field, being blessed when we come and when we go. And yes, God has called us to be blessed, but it's not just blessed for our sake. Those wicked Egyptians got blessed because Joseph was there. And Joseph was a great man of God. And you all are great men and women of God. You all have a born identity, and you are called to walk in the greatness that God has given you. Verse 6, thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of this story, The Bible stops and says, I think we should mention that Joseph was fine. 
That's, that's what it says. It says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So he looked good and he was built. The Bible tells you, now Joseph was fine. Now, I mean, I am tempted as many sermons as I had to sit through listening about Bathsheba and Eve and Delilah and how good they looked. I am so tempted to go there on Joseph. But I'm going to resist the temptation. And so the Bible lets us know that he's a fine brother. That was that was some kind of virtue or something. That was some kind of good thing the Bible saw. And Potiphar's wife saw it too. She saw how God blessed him. She saw the anointing on his life. And she saw that he was fine. Ladies and gentlemen, people of God, there is a beauty of holiness and people are attracted to it. I mean, all kind of people, holy people and heathen people are attracted to the beauty of holiness. Do you all understand that there's a beauty of holiness? Let me tell you about Sarah. Do you all know Sarah? Sarah, the, the Lord came upon Sarah and at 65, she was so fine that Abraham said, now baby, when we go up in here, I know that Pharaoh has a lot of a woman, he can have any woman, any Egyptian woman, all these spring chickens or whatever. And even though you are 65 years old, when we go up in here, I know he's going to want you for his wife. She was 65. I'm talking about a beauty of holiness. Now, see, you all need to know and understand this because when y'all go out in the streets, especially my girls and my ladies, brothers will be calling you. They will want to get with you. They are attracted to that beauty of holiness. But you've got to remember that's holiness. Because they're going to want you, but they're going to want you for the wrong reasons. That's, that, that, that's what was going on with Miss Potiphar. And it, came to, and it came to pass, verse 7, after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. I mean, just like that. No, how you doing? No. She's just like, mm, come on upstairs with me. But the first part of the verse says that she cast her longing eyes on Joseph. Mistake number one. That's mistake number one. You have got to watch where you put your eyes. Now see, the, the whole purpose of today is because we have a beauty, we have authority, we have greatness, and the last thing we need to do is to go out in the streets and blow it up, blow it, mess it up. Do you all hear what I'm saying? The Bible has given us tools so that we can walk in victory. That's what we're supposed to do. Walk in victory, live in victory, so much so that they can call you victory. Your name is victory. But we've got to follow what God has told us to do so that as we go, we're we not tripping like, ooh, he looking at me, she looking at me. 
girl, that's the Jesus in you, and they don't know what to do with that. So the, so the first thing she did is she cast her eyes upon Joseph. You've got to watch where you put your eye. There was this little boy in the store, and he was, you know, going up and down the aisles, and he was in the candy aisle. He didn't have no money, so he just wanted to look at the candy. You know, maybe taste it through his eyes. And there was this candy that was open. And boy, oh, I mean, it was already open. He really wanted it. But he knew he wasn't gonna, supposed to take it because that would be stealing. So he's just standing there looking at it, mouth watering, drool on and He's just looking at it. His hands are going. And the grocer comes up on him like, little boy, what are you doing? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. He said, it looks to me like you're trying to steal the candy. He's like, no, sir, no, sir. I'm trying not to steal your candy. <laughs> but, but I'm sure the grocer could have said, I can't tell, because while you're standing there looking and drooling and carrying on, you have got to be careful where you put your eyes. Because I found out the hard way that you go where you place your eyes. I, 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 um, I took some surfing lessons. Yeah, yep, pray church. And then, and then, I mean, it looks real easy to stand. I mean, you know, they make it easy. It looks like you just get up there and just stand. And sometimes we look at people in life and, and we're like, oh, if that was me, I, I wouldn't have did that. I would have just stood. But until I tried it, and so, uh, you know, they tell you what to do. And the thing about it is, I couldn't stand no matter what I tried. I couldn't stand. And the instructor kept saying, it's because you're looking down. He said, your body is going to go wherever your eyes are going. And so while you're looking at your feet, while you're looking down, that's why you keep falling. I hope I'm helping somebody here. And so I made it a point in my life that, that, that I saw a tree way out in the distance, and I'm like, I need to get over there. I can't look down. I can't look to the side. I can't go this way. I can't go that way. I need to go forward. See, you've got to watch where you put your eyes because where your eyes go, that's where your body's going to follow. David said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a woman. He knew and understood. It's something about those eyes. By beholding, we become changed. Maybe that's why the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his face. And the things, y'all know it. So the first thing she did is she cast her eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. And verse 8 says, but he refused. Hallelujah. I mean, he just straight out refused. He didn't say, um, girl, let me get back to you. I'm going to text you and let you know. Uh, hold on, let me go pray about it. Because see, sometimes we talk about, uh, we got to pray about it because we're trying to stall from doing the right thing. 
And God is looking like, who is she talking to? I know she's not talking to me because she already knows my will in this matter. Joseph immediately flat out refused. But look what he said to her. He didn't owe her an explanation. And see, you know the temptation is. Because you know he's supposed to be great. And that could have been a shortcut to greatness. See, some people would have said, you know what? Man, I could get in good with her. And then, you know, I, I could become master of this house. God promised me greatness. Maybe this is the way to get it. Some people could have thought like that, but, but not Joseph. And so this is what Joseph says. He says, look, my master does not know what is, in, what is with me in this house. This is verse 8. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. He said, there is no one greater in this house than I. My God. I'm talking about this is a man who knew his born identity. He said, yes, I may be a slave, but I'm great. He said, yeah, it might not look like much, but I am great. There is nobody greater up in here than me because I am connected to a great God. And so because he knew who he was, what's the next thing he said? He said, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He said, you, he said, you must not know. I'm too anointed for that foolishness. You must not know. I'm too great for that foolishness. You must not know. I've got greatness running through my veins. You must not know. God is on me. You must not know that I am on a journey to greatness. I don't have time for this. This was a man who knew who he was. Circumstances didn't define him. He knew he was great sleeping in the slave quarters. He was a slave. Talking about, I'm great. Ain't nobody greater. Because he was the only one in that house that was connected to God. And goodness and mercy followed him. The Bible says that the Lord was with him. Favor and prosperity followed him. And so he knew who he was. But I already told you, there's a, a beauty of holiness. So she was like, mm, a man with morals. Yay, God. I know I got to get me some of that now. She didn't turn around. She, she turned it up. And she tried to get him even more. Next verse. So it was that she spoke to Joseph day by day. Day. She was up in his face, always trying to do something, trying to pull him down. So the question is, how do we handle this kind of stuff? Because it's great to shout in church on the weekend, but you got to go to work. You have to go to school. You got to be out in the street. And it's folk out there. And the Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion trying to devour you. 
So what do we do? The first thing is you don't got to be scared. You do not have to be afraid because you're, you're great. And God is with you and on you. So let's look and see what did Joseph do to guard his greatness. Verse 10. It says, he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. So the first thing he did, uh, and, and, and in another version, I think the King James, it says he, when it says he didn't heed her, it means he didn't listen to her. She was talking that talk all the time, but he would not listen to her. So number one, he guarded his senses. Because she was casting her eyes on him, but he wouldn't look at her. She was all up in his ear trying to talk, but he wouldn't listen to her. He was guarding his senses. He was guarding everything about him. He didn't want to see. He didn't want to taste. He didn't want to look. He didn't want to feel foolishness. Amen. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so if faith comes by hearing, you better believe that the devil going to be all up in your ear trying to uh, 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 fill up the channels so that when faith comes, can you hear me now? You can't hear. And so we have got to guard our senses. We have got to guard the things that we hear. Why? Because our senses try to override our sensibilities. Have you ever said, I know I don't need this, but it smells so good? Anybody ever said that? I know I don't need this, but it looks so good. I know I don't have no business doing this, but it feels so good. Our senses try to override our sensibilities. And that's why we have got to guard our senses. We have got to guard the things around us so that we do not fall. So one, he guarded his senses. You got to guard the things you watch on TV. You got to, there's some songs I realized I couldn't listen to because by the time they got to a certain point, I was done. So I learned early, no, nah, no, nah, we can't play that. Uh-uh. Until I got married, then, then we could play that all day long. Amen. I know y'all in church, but that's real talk. It's real talk. Because, and people know this. They know what's on, they got, they got a playlist with your name on it. Because they know the power of music, and they know the power. Yeah. So, they, so you got to guard your senses. You got to guard what you look at. You got to guard what you, what you hear. You got to guard what you eat. There's some things. There are some things. You all know this. There's some things that make you feel different than others. And believe me, there are some people who know exactly what to feed you. You all think I'm playing? I'm telling the truth this morning. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. Hallelujah. Amen, Pastor. You know you preaching. 
I encourage myself in the Lord. Okay, so first he guarded his senses. Then the next part of the verse says that he would not heed her, nor would he lie with her. Oh, baby, we ain't got to have sex. I just need you close to me. I just want you to lie by me. Y'all heard that before? Y'all, y'all heard. I, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to preach to this light right here. They heard that before. But Joseph wouldn't do that. He guarded his surroundings. He would not even be by her. See, you don't need to put yourself in certain situations where you'll be seduced to sin. You don't need to just, you don't even need to be in those kind of surroundings. And there are some places that are just conducive to sin. They're just, there's some places. Back seat of his Jeep, yeah. Sit in the front seat. As a matter of fact, have your girlfriend come get you. Or walk. We can all use a little exercise. There are just some surroundings that are just conducive to sin. Some people are like, I don't know where I keep meeting all the, at the club. You know where you keep meeting all these losers. At the club, there are just some surroundings that are conducive to sin. And when you get in those surroundings as holy as you want to be, it gets real hard. So you have got to guard your surroundings. You have got to guard where you allow your holy feet to walk. You got to guard where you allow your holy tail to sit. You got to guard that. David said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. There's a blessing to not being with crazy people. And the church said, amen. So if you're trying to get out of debt, you're trying to put your kids through school, you don't need to be up in the mall. I mean, you don't even need to be in Walmart. Because a lot of times we like, well, it's, it's on sale. It's, it's just Walmart. But if you're trying, you trying to save money, then stay out the store. You don't need to be in places that will be conducive to sin. So if you can't, you trying to, you trying to lose weight, don't go to no buffet. Whether they call it a salad bar or not, honey, don't go. Because the salad is this big, but everything else, I mean, and Lord, Lord, no, I'm testifying. I went to one place. I said I wasn't going to eat no dessert. And I sat there and counted the amount of, they had 19 different desserts. I shouldn't have cast my eyes there. I shouldn't have been there. I should have guarded my senses. I should have guarded my surroundings. Because there are just some places that are conducive to you messing up. On Hee Haw, this is one of my favorite stories. You probably already heard it, but I'm going to tell it again. On the, on the, on the uh, show Hee Haw, <laughs> so they had this doctor on there, Doc Rivers, and somebody came in and said, Doctor, I broke my arm in two places. He was like, well, that seems simple. 
you need to stay out them places. Some of us keep falling. Some of us keep messing up. In one, two, three places, baby, you better stay out them places so that you can stay on your feet, so that you can stay on the path of greatness that God has called you to, so you can stay on the path of righteousness that God has called you to. You got to stay out them places. And see, some of us, some of us know we're going to fall and got the audacity to prepare to fall. It was this little boy, he lived by the canal, and his dad said, come straight home from school. Come, don't stop, don't go swimming, nothing. Come straight home from school. So a little boy come, all wet, in his swimming trunks. And his dad is like, you've got to be kidding me. Didn't I tell you not to go swimming? He said, well, you know, I had my swimming trunks with me, and I was just tempted. And so I got in. And he said, well, why did you have your swimming trunks with you? In case I got tempted. Now, I'm trying to tell you that if you can't go out with so-and-so without having a thing in your purse, a thing in your wallet, do y'all hear what I'm saying? Then you don't need to go. Stay out of them places. You don't need to be around those people because God has called us. We, we're too anointed for that. God has called us to live higher. God has called us to go deeper. And many times we mess up. We were like, well, you know. But if you prepare to sin, and then you're like, but I don't know what happened. Why you take your swimming trunks? Y'all don't have to say amen. And that's how the enemy does it. Because nobody wakes up and says, you know, I want to commit great sin. I want to ruin my life. I want to be a part of just a mess. Nobody wakes up and says that. It happens one little step at a time. One little concession, one little bend here, a little bend here, and then you are contorted in all kind of ways, and you don't know how you got there. You're dancing on the cliff of temptation, and you think you can handle it, and next thing you know, you have plunged into the valley of sin. And so you gotta, you got to find out for you, what are some environments? that are, that mess me up. Where, what are the times, you know, so, the, so there's some environments, what are the times, there are some times, it's certain times of the month that you may feel a little different. So then you gotta guard yourself around certain times of the month. I know y'all don't really wanna hear this coming from the pulpit, but I don't care. I need y'all to walk in victory. Y'all are walking with the name of the Most High God on you. And so when you out in the street professing to be a Christian, I need you to have all the tools you need to walk in victory. I need you to have all the tools you need to stay on the path to greatness. And if, and if you fall, it won't be because you didn't know. And if you fall, 
I'm so glad we have a God that will pick you up. Amen. But he says, go and sin no more. Amen. So it's certain times, you know, if it's late at night, if, if you know that you, you know, get crazy after midnight, then you need to go to bed at 1130. No, for real. It's certain if it's when your wife is away on business or when your parents aren't home or, or whatever, whatever those times are, take the time and look. We talked earlier about being prepared. Then prepare. Prepare for victory. Prepare to walk in the greatness that God has for you. So he guarded his senses. He guarded his surroundings. And then the last, set, the last part of that verse says that he would not be with her. He guarded his situation. He couldn't be connected to anybody who was not going to help push him along to greatness. He could not be connected to somebody who was pulling him down. He couldn't be connected. He guarded who he connected himself with. And that is what we have to do. Now, sometimes you can try, try, try all you want. But the next verse says that Joseph still found himself in some trouble. It said, but it happened. But it happened. That's verse 11, but it happened. Sometimes stuff happens, so... But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Joseph left his clothes in the woman's hand. That was a great man of God. <laughs> he ran. You all know lions are always after gazelle. The Bible says that, that, that uh, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And Lions are always after gazelles. And the only way gazelles can fight lions is to run. Their only hope is to outrun the lion. They don't stand there and try to fight them head on. They don't stand there and, and try to talk smack. They don't fall on their knees and pray. They run. And there are some temptations that you just need to run from. Honey, if she ain't got on clothes and she got your clothes, you better run. I'm just telling y'all what the Bible says. There's not enough willpower in the world. You have got to run. The Bible is clear. It says flee fornication, flee idolatry, flee youthful lust, flee these things, flee out of Babylon and deliver your soul. Run like your life depends on it because it does. The Bible 
to flee. Do you know how much people throw away for a moment of passion? Years of marriages, millions of dollars, thousands of tears, buckets of heartache. There's so much more that is lost when we give in to temptation. She was left clutching his clothes. I know her feelings had to be hurt. And she said, I'm going to make him pay. Rape! He tried to rape me. They rushed in the house and they got her story. And, and, and she told him that Joseph had attacked her and, and it was all his fault. And Joseph was thrown into prison. Now, I know, I wonder, is Joseph tripping now? Because remember, he's supposed to be great. But last time we looked, he was down in the pit, and then he went down to Egypt, then he went down into slavery. Now he's down in jail. But the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph, verse 21, and showed him mercy. So much so that he was a great prisoner. The Bible says he became the keeper of the prison. I'm talking about a man, this man was great. And if you watch, as God takes him up the service ladder, first it was just a family of 12. Then he served Potiphar's house. Then he served the whole prison. Next up, he serves the whole country. See, we look at this story and we don't think that his greatness came until he got to the big house. But he was slowly becoming greater and greater and greater as he continued to serve more and more. He was a great slave. He was great when he was a prisoner. He was just great. And he had decided, he purposed in his mind and in his heart that he would rather be in prison with God than in bed with another man's wife. That's great. Joseph decided because he knew who he was. He knew who he was. And even though he had to go down into prison, even though with threats of being disgraced, he would rather be shamed and disgraced before man than to be shamed and disgraced before God. And they threatened him with all kind of stuff, but Joseph wouldn't budge. Why? Because Joseph had already been down. See, there's sometimes when people uh, 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 try to hold stuff over you, like, and if you don't do this, then I'm going to do, honey, I've been there already. Poverty? Oh, yeah, I lived through that. Oh, I know what it's like to have my lights turned off. I, I know what it's like to lose a house. You ain't said nothing but a word. Betrayal? I've gone through that. Grief and pain, sickness, been there. Done that. I've already beat that. Oh, honey, I survived that 10 years ago. What else you got? There's a certain boldness and fearlessness that comes in you. I endured that. I, I conquered that. I beat that. I outlived that. And I found out that there's nothing you can do to me that God can't undo. There's nothing you can take from me that my God can't give me back. I made it once and I'll make it again and again.
secret. I learned the secret. It's about being connected to this God. And when he says that he's going to do something in your life, he will do it. But you've got to trust him. Has he said it and shall he not do it? Has he spoken it and will he not make it come to pass? But I'm tired. I, I don't know how much more of this than I can take. Hold on. For they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll be able to mount up on wings like eagles. They'll be able to run and not get weary. They'll be able to walk and not faint. Maybe cast down, but, but, but I, I'm not in despair. I may be troubled, but I'm not perplexed. I may be troubled on every side, but not distressed. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Because I've got victory. The Bible says God always causes us to triumph. He says that there is no temptation that has taken you, but such is common to man. And with every temptation, he will give you a way of escape. I want you to know that God has grace for everyone in this room. God has greatness for everyone in this room. God has power for everyone in this room. You can stay on God's path, and he will take you to heights unknown. He will take you to places you never thought were possible when you stay on his plan. And one of the best ways to do that through the blood of Jesus and through the power of Jesus, guard your senses, guard your surroundings, guard your situation. God wants each of you as the musicians begin to play, to stay on the good path. I know that many of us have messed up. I know that many of us have made mistakes. I know many of us have been tempted and we failed miserably. But the Bible says that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. He says that if we be in Christ, if we give our lives to Christ, that he will make us new. And then we could say like Paul, forgetting those things which are behind. I press forward to those things which are ahead. I want you to know that the God that we serve restores. I want you to know that the God that we serve makes over. I want you to know that the God we serve gives power. And if we keep our eyes on him, the Bible says that he is the God that keeps us from falling. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling, David said, he enlarges my path so that none of my steps will slip. God 
invested in you making it. The question is, are you invested in you making it? There may be somebody in here who has not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And you want, you want that power to live right. You want that peace. You want that grace to wash all those mistakes away. And you want that power that can keep you from falling. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In your bulletin, the next steps card, the one that I showed you, I, I need everybody to take that out right now. Let's start filling that out. Because there are some of you, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. On that card, I want you to mark that I am interested in becoming a follower of Jesus. Now, if they were not in your bulletins, is there anybody who didn't have one in their bulletin and you need one? Raise your hand and we'll get one in your hand. There's a couple more up front. Maybe you want Bible studies. You want to learn more about this Jesus. You want to learn more about this power. You want to learn more of how to stand though the heavens fall. Everybody else messed up. You want to stay on the path of grace and on greatness. Take some time right now and fill this out. Everybody in here. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would move on us, oh God. For some of us, we are making the most important decision of our lives. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would give us the power to do it. And in the name of Jesus, oh God, I pray that your spirit would be with us and that you would allow us to walk in victory.